was the creed too. Appreciate that. Good to see you guys all here today. Yeah, so it's we're already a full week into 2023, and uh, for a lot of us, it looks a lot like 2022, doesn't it? You know, it's uh, you always wanted to, wondered about that. Like, why why should it be a lot of difference? No, it's not a whole lot different. It's uh, it keeps going. God still called us to the same task. God's given us the same gifts. God's still given us the same presence, and we're just to continue on doing what God has called us to do. So today, we're going to, for today and next Sunday, we're going to jump back into the book of Acts and kind of look at some things from the early church that will help us figure out what kind of church we need to be uh, for the, for this 2023 year and beyond. So before we get into our passage today, though, I want to kind of review a little bit of what we looked at already in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. So we've seen so far in Acts, we talked about Acts chapter 1 several weeks ago, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that's the outline of the book of Acts. You shall uh, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we're still in that place where they're being witnesses in Jerusalem, so we saw that in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. We saw how they prayed and waited and the Holy Spirit came in power at Pentecost. And then we also looked at after Peter's great sermon that he preached, 3,000 people came to Christ. And after that, we looked at what the church did. They prayed, they fellowshiped, they worshiped together, they proclaimed the name of Jesus. So we looked at what that church did. Sorry, that keeps popping up where it gets in my line of sight there. All right, hope that still works out well for you. Okay, so... Now we're going to jump in today into Acts chapter 4, but before we get there, there's a few things in Acts chapter 3 we're going to skip over, but I think you need to know the setting, so here's sort of a little background of what's going on. In Acts chapter 3, that's the story of Peter and John going to the temple, and there they see a man who was born uh, with the, uh, lame, without the ability to walk, and if you grew up in vacation Bible school like I did, you may have learned that old song, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Okay, I can't sing, so I'm not going to do that to you. But, but that's the story that it's about there, okay? So, and if you didn't go to vacation Bible school, then maybe you need to volunteer work in church, Kidsville and, and uh, maybe catch up on some of that that you didn't get growing up in vacation Bible school. So anyway, they see this man who was born lame, and uh, the guy's there begging. Now, the temple was the, the place to beg. It was the uh, ancient equivalent of the freeway exits today, all right? It was the place where you're going to see the most people. And so he was a regular fixture there. And you know the story, many of you know the story, that the guy is asking for a handout, and Peter says to him, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I think we've, we miss some of Luke's humor here, okay? Luke, we're going to see in the book of Acts, Luke has, this, has a little wry sense of humor there. This guy is expecting a handout. And what he got was a hand up and able to walk completely unexpected. And I think it reminds us that God is under no obligation to react to us or to bless us in the way that we think he ought to. That I think God likes to be a God of surprises. God says, you think you've got it all figured out, huh? Well, just wait. It's going to surprise you. So I think that's a great thing. But <clears throat> that brings us to this crowd gathering there at the temple. Peter preaches his second sermon in the book of Acts, <clears throat> so in Acts chapter 3, Peter's already into his second big sermon, and that draws some opposition. So at the end of chapter 3, Peter and John are thrown into prison, and uh, probably an inner room in the temple. There's probably a prison there in the temple. So 
Sometimes I think that would be nice if we had a jail here at the church. We could just kind of put people in once in a while. Well, never mind. We want that's maybe a different sermon for right now. But they're thrown in the prison there and they're awaiting for trial, but it's too late. The scripture tells us that 5,000 people have already come to believe in Jesus now. This is just, we don't know how many days later after Pentecost, but they are continuing to grow. And they're brought before the ruling council called the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was 71 elders that were of the church. They were mostly of the group called the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the aristocracy. They were the, uh, they were the, the big wigs of, the, of, of the, the, uh, the religious life. They were also the ones that were the most comfortable with the Romans because they had a good life under the Romans. But you might know a few things about the Sadducees. They were actually pretty liberal. They did not believe in angels or demons. They didn't believe in heaven or hell. hell. They didn't believe in an afterlife at all. You thought, how could you be followers of the God of Israel but not believe in those things? But they didn't, and that's where it gets to be a little bit important there. So there were a few prominent Pharisees who were members of the Sanhedrin. In fact, we think Paul might have been a member of the Sanhedrin or at least a, a potential member of the Sanhedrin. So this is really important. And then as we get ready, wrapping up that to get to our passage today, this is all introduction still, okay? Uh, they bring Peter and John before the council, and Peter says this, and again, this is Luke's humor. Peter says, you know, the, the, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin is asking them, what just happened here? How did this happen? How did you make this man well? And Peter says, rulers and elders of the people, if we're on trial today for the benefit done to this man, as to how he was made well, you get that humor, like, wait, you're trying us or making this guy well? Do you guys see what's going on here? And then he says, basically, it wasn't us. It was Jesus. And he preaches his third sermon. And in this sermon, Peter's really bold. In fact, he names them. He said, it was by the power of Jesus Christ. By the way, that was the guy you guys put on the cross a while back, remember? It was his power that did this. And so that's going to get us now to our passage for today, Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at several verses here, verses 13 through 31. But before we get there, let's pray. Father, today we're going to ask that you show us the way to boldness today so that we can lift up your son Jesus in our community. Father, we know if we lift him up, he'll draw all people to himself. So, Father, teach us to be bold, just as your first followers were bold. Teach us what, it mean, what that means for us today and how we can do our part in spreading forth the message that Jesus of Nazareth heals people not only physically, but also spiritually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. There are three things I want you to look at this message today, okay? And it's all about boldness. First, I want you to see that boldness, real boldness, comes from being with Jesus, with spending time with him. Now, as we get ready for our passage today, in verse 13, it says this, Now as they, the Sanhedrin, observed the confidence of Peter and John. By the way, that word confidence there, I've highlighted it a little bit. That's actually the same word for boldness. The Greek word for boldness can be translated confidence or boldness. So that is the same word. They observed the confidence or boldness of Peter and John and understood they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and, the, and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. All right, let that soak in for a moment. Begin to recognize them as having been with Jesus. 
And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Now I want to pause there for a moment, okay? And just, again, talk about Luke's humor. First, I want to imagine, because I, I want to just stop. I had this later in my message, but I want to say it now. It just feels right to, to say it at this part of the scripture. That they're sitting there questioning Peter and John, this high and mighty Sanhedrin, and they're hearing these powerful, bold answers from them, and they're figuring like, what's going on here? Hold on. Okay, these guys, I don't ever remember seeing them in the synagogue classes. I don't, they didn't get training. They didn't sit under some great teacher. Yet, they're saying things that just, I, I, I don't, I, how are they able? Oh, wait a second. These guys, they were with Jesus. Oh, no. And I feel like it was like a slow blush coming over these guys going, wait a second. Is that the reason these guys are so bold? Is that the reason they can do what they do? Because they spent time with the guy we crucified? And then Luke's humor goes on and on again because it says they're trying to deny this miracle. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels or demons. They certainly didn't believe in miracles. And they're trying to deny this miracle that happened. And here's the guy that just healed standing with them. I imagine he's got, listen, if I had brand new legs for the first time in my life, I'd be doing wind sprints up and down the courtyard of the temple there, okay? Just seriously walking and leaping and praising God, as the song says. And they're sitting there going like, we just say that, and he just, oh, this is not looking good for us. That's how I feel like it's going on, that that's what happened here. So let's keep, keep going on. He says, that they had nothing to say in reply, but when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another. So they sent them out going, okay, we got to figure this out. And they said, for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Well, duh. Smart guys, aren't they? But then they try to go on. It says, but so that it will not spread any further among the people. Catch this. They're still trying to control the situation. It says, let's warn them not to speak any longer to any person in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, bold as they are, and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. Sorry. Um, make your judgment. Make your own judgment. For we cannot spe stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So in response, they just threatened them further. So when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people. In other words, if they had not let them go, the people might have rioted. Because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man on whom this miracle of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. Wow. Think of this going on, okay? These guys, Peter and John, had no formal training. They were not they, in spiritual matters. They were just regular guys. In fact, we know from, from the Gospels, they were fishermen. They were just ordinary men. And they realizing this is all because of Jesus. Now, I'm not criticizing education. And I don't think the Bible is either. But education and training can never take the place of spending time with Jesus. 
One of the things I do on the side, I'm an adjunct professor at Gateway Seminary. And so I teach, teach classes there, and I'm all in favor of taking the education. And I've got my bachelor's and my master's and my doctorate and all that stuff. But you know what? Nothing I've learned in my seminary classes could take the place of just spending time with Jesus, whether through God's word or whether in prayer or whether in just acknowledging his presence with me. That is what gives us the power to do things. And if our church is going to move forward into 2023 with power and with boldness, it requires all of us to spend time with Jesus. I want you to take a, take a moment and just assess for yourself. I'm not asking you to share it with anybody right now, but just think over the past week, how much time did you spend with Jesus? Just think for a moment. How much time in his word? I don't mean just reading the Bible, but I mean engaging with Jesus in the Bible. How much time in prayer? Not just asking for things. Or as, as I am guilty of so much time, so much of my prayer time comes praying for others because I get a lot of prayer requests as a pastor. But how much time in prayer just spending with Jesus? In fact, I want you to think for a moment. Again, remember, I did a lot of my work with youth, so I tend to think in terms of, of how teenagers do. But, okay, so, so teenagers, ladies, guys who are here, the, the younger ones, all right. You remember sometimes when it's, uh, when it's summertime and you're just bored out of your gourd, okay? You're just absolutely, now I know that most of you have, you know, all the latest, you know, video game things and stuff like that um, and that kind of thing. And if you don't, just thank your parents that you don't, okay? But uh, you just get bored. And then a whole, lo and behold, there's a knock on the door and it's your best friend. Your best friend comes over and like, it's going to be a great day. My best friend is here. We're going to spend time together. And so you sit down in the living room and you just sit there for a little bit. And then you say, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. There's nothing to do. But it's okay because you're doing it with your best friend. Sometimes that's what spending time with Jesus is like. You're not necessarily accomplishing anything. You're just being in his presence recognizing that he's there and spending some time with him and just and yeah you talk about things and you listen and you learn about each other and that's what we need to do more of spending time with jesus listening to him understanding what he wants us to do now again i'm not trying to say education is not worthwhile listen i go through the commentaries when i prepare these sermons I look for things. I try to make sure that what I'm saying about the Scripture is, is what people smarter than me say about Scripture. I try to do that. If you're a leader in this church, I want you to study to become a better leader. I want you to study to learn how to, to do better counseling or better teaching or better um, a small group leading or whatever it might be. But I want you also to spend time with Jesus. Let me give you some easy ways to do that. And guys, you're going to see these are what we used to call the Sunday school answers, but they're still true. First, the Bible is a great place to start. Read the whole Bible, but especially the Gospels. Memorize Scripture. Can I, there are a few people in our church that are, that are just Scripture memorying machines, and I appreciate that. I, I love it. There's a few people in this church, and somebody mentions, oh, there's someone in the Bible that says so-and-so, and there'll be two or three people talking about going like, oh, yeah, that's 2 Hezekiah 19, verse 162, or whatever. All right? They just got it down there. They know where it is. But memorize scripture. Let that be a way of it getting through you. Meditate on scripture. And meditation is not just sitting in the lotus position, you know, you know, saying some mantra or something like that. 
being, spending time in scripture, meditating, is just letting it percolate through you. Letting it, you know, think it, thinking deeply about it. Imagine what, what does Jesus want you to learn out of this? What is he saying to you out of this passage? And another way is to share that scripture with other people. Talk with other people about it. If you're married, talk with your spouse about it. Share what you're learning. Dig into it together. If you're a, a, a student, find a friend that you can share these things with. Find a, If you don't have a friend right now, in fact, students, if you don't have a friend right now that you can share scripture verses with and they accept that, if you don't have a friend like that, you need to find some more friends. Okay? Even children, they're here, all right? Guys, if there's ways you can start memorizing scripture right now and start sharing with other people and talking with people about it, that'd be cool. In fact, children, they're here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a challenge. Read your Bible and see if you can come up with a question you can ask your parents that they can't answer. Wouldn't that be the coolest thing? To get your parents going into the Bible to look, try to answer a question you ask. So just a little thought there. Also, spending time in prayer. Talking with Jesus and listening to him. Remember, that's what it is. Talking and listening. And then third, do what he says. Once he's told you to do something, do what he says. And as we talked about like last week, be like Jesus. How can what Jesus is teaching me, how can I use that to be more like Jesus? That's part of how you spend time with him, doing some of those things. There's other ways too, but that's sort of some simple ways to get us started. But we need to have a church full of people that have spent time with Jesus. And not where you come to church to get your fill of Jesus, but this is where you come to church already filled with Jesus. Now, not everybody, I get that. There's some people here maybe who don't know Jesus yet. We still welcome you to be a part of it. But those of you who do know Jesus, those of you who are growing in him already, come to church already filled to be able to share together about who Jesus is. That's especially as once we get small groups started doing that, okay? So how did these religious leaders respond to these people who had spent time with Jesus? Well, they went into an executive session and tried to get, get rid of it, all right? This is how I knew that they must have been at church because they had a committee meeting to talk about it, all right? So they had this committee meeting, and they realized the cat was out of the bag. Everyone knew what was going on. They had, they had tried to force Peter and John into this non-disclosure agreement, but John said so, uh, Peter said so beautifully, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you make your own decision. But as for us, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. That's what happens when you get filled with Jesus. And you know that's what it is. When you've gone and seen a movie that you really like, you just want to talk to somebody about it, or you've got a new TV show that you like, or a book that you like, or something like that, that's something good that's happened, or even something that's really bad that's happened, you just can't wait to tell somebody else about it. Well, when we begin to see Jesus like that, as the best thing that's happened to us, when we begin to get filled with Jesus, we'll just naturally want to talk to people about it. So the Religious leaders had no choice but to make an empty threat, and they released disciples. Which leads to a side point, I want to say, when you're really bold, boldness can't be stopped. It really can't. Boldness cannot be stopped by threats, by circumstances. But when your boldness comes from being with Jesus, that doesn't change no matter what changes around you. You're still filled with Jesus, and you still have access to this boldness. Well, that's the first place boldness comes from. The second place we're going to see in this passage is boldness comes from prayer. We've already talked about that a little bit, 
but we're going to look at how, how they prayed. So let's jump back into this passage in verse 23. When they had been released, that's Peter and John, they went to their own companions and reported everything that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices to God with one mind. Now, we can be like that a lot. We tend to, we have troubles that are happening like that. And we go into one, one mind, we start praying to God. And usually what we wind up praying nowadays is, God, fix this. God, get us out of this. God, protect us from these people. God, change the Pharisees' minds. God, disband the Sanhedrin. Something like that. That's how we usually pray. Is that what they prayed? Not even close. They just said, they let, raised their voice to one God, with one mind to God and said, Lord, it is you who made heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them. At first they recognized God's presence in all of this. Who said by the, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, why were the nations insolent and the peoples plotting in vain and the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his, against his Christ. Basically they were saying, hey God, this is exactly what you said was going to happen. We're recognizing you're in charge of all this and you knew this was coming. You're not surprised by this. We get it. We trust in you even more now because of this. And they went on to verse 27. For truly in this city they were gathered against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. And basically that's their way of saying <coughs> it was everybody. It was the rulers. It was the people. It was the people who don't know Jesus, who don't know anything like that. They were all, they raised their hand against him to do whatever your hand and purpose predestined to occur. Again, they're saying God, all that happened, and you were still in control. We still trust you knew what you were doing. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant your bond servants to speak your word with all safety. No, with all confidence, which, by the way, is that same word for boldness. With all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They didn't say, God, fix this. They didn't say, God, protect us from this they said God help us do it even more boldly we believe we're on the right track God and we're ready to follow you through more that's what prayer did for them they went back to their group and they told the whole story and they prayed to God now there's a lot in this prayer so I'm only gonna hit the highlights here but again they took time to praise God and acknowledge his sovereignty and then they did not ask for relief or safety or protection they didn't even ask for justice the focus wasn't on them the focus was on the message of Jesus and that's where we got to get beyond ourselves sometimes we focus on ourselves God get me out of this and guys I'm right there with you in this I read this passage and I go like man that is not me I think about how often my prayers are God, fix this. God, and I, sometimes I feel like I'm doing really good with it. I'm like, God, don't change the situation, but God, change me so that I can deal with the situation better. I'm still praying for my own comfort, my own protection. Instead of praying, God, in this situation, yes, show me what I need to do, not to get me out of this, but to glorify you, to be the person you've called me to be. Whether it gets me out of this situation or not, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for you, God, and for your purposes. And so not to pray. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever pray for safety, that kind of thing. 
and I'm not saying be crazy, all right? I'm not saying that now, okay, I'm not saying you guys on your next mission trip should go to some country where they burn Christians just go, and just go up to the first police officer and go, hey, I'm paying attention to me, I want to tell you about Jesus, all right? All right, so I'm not trying to say look for trouble. I'm saying do what God's called you to do. Trouble will probably find you. You don't have to look for it, okay? All right, so don't go out and just be crazy, but if we focus on Jesus, we'll be bold. And that's what they ask. They ask God's help to be bold. It's almost like they were saying this. Yeah, now it's getting real, God. It's getting real. And this is time to step up, God, and God help us to stand firm. Now, there's a lot of boldness in our world today, okay? Especially in our political arenas. I don't know about you, and I'm, I, I am not going to get political in this pulpit, except to say that sometimes I will watch conservative news, sometimes I will watch more liberal news, and there's one thing in common in both of those, that after watching it for a while, I have to get up and turn it off because I just think, you guys are nuts. You guys are nuts. You say stupid things that just are, that just, I, I can't even believe you would even believe what you just said. That that's just crazy. That you're not just looking for truth, you're looking for, to, to bolster your own position. Now, I'm not saying that everybody out there in the political arena is, is stupid, and I'm not saying there's not anybody out there that's not trying to serve and do the right things, Okay. But I'm saying the environment, the conditions in which we're living now, is that's where boldness has become, that where boldness has really happened. And I won't give you examples because I don't want to make you think I'm one way or another with that. But I'm just saying that the boldness we're seeing now, where people, you know, um, well, one of the things that, like, one of the big deals right now is doxing somebody. You familiar with that term? Doxing somebody, digging into their past and finding things out of their past and then exposing it because they're evil and you're the social justice warrior. Y'all have a cape and a mask, all right? Going there. That's not the kind of boldness I'm talking about there, okay? That's people just being mean and people trying to play dirty and people trying to lift themselves up by putting somebody else down. And that's not what I want us to be as Christians. I don't want us to be that kind of person that we put people down. In fact, I want you to remember this phrase right here. It's one I learned a long time ago. You can't be persuasive if you're abrasive. Okay? We don't have to offend anyone with our boldness. Because here's the deal. When we're talking about Jesus, Jesus himself is going to be offensive to some people. All right? Let him do the offending. We don't need to be doing that. We just need to share what's been going on in our life. And we need to help people and bring healing emotionally or socially or whatever we need to serve him we need to share the message of jesus so people understand it's got to be the two things we got to be doing the good works but we got to be telling people why we're doing it we got to be telling people about the change that jesus has made in our life that's what we need to be doing if they get offended by that that's great but it shouldn't be offended because of something we've said stupid or something we've said painful or something we've said that's that's hurtful so now why is it that so few christians exhibit that kind of boldness today and and i think it's very few christians i don't see much of that kind of boldness out there today i see it some but as for as many christians we have in this in this world in this country at least 
I don't feel like I see a lot of that boldness. And I think maybe it's because we simply don't ask for the boldness. James 4, 3 says, we ask and we do not receive because we ask with wrong motives. We're not asking Jesus for the right things. And I'll admit I struggle with this idea some. Like, for example, when we pray for missionaries, think about places like Afghanistan or Iran or wherever, and if you're listening from one of those countries, I'm not trying to be critical of your country, okay? I'm saying, but those are countries that come to mind where people are persecuted for faith in Jesus. And I think about missionaries like that, and one of the things I tend to is I, I want to pray for the safety of those missionaries. And I've done that before. But I feel like I should more than that pray for their boldness. But then I have to ask myself, if my son or my daughter were a missionary in some country where Christians were being persecuted, would I be able to pray for their boldness over their safety? I don't know that I could. I'm hoping I could. But I'm saying that's the point we need to get to, to say we are willing to let go of all of that stuff. We're willing to let go of safety for the sake of boldness. Again, I'm not saying go do crazy stuff, but I'm saying our attitude of our heart is, God, if you've called us to be bold, we will not hide behind safety. We will not hide that boldness behind that thing of safety. In fact, one of the, one of the things I always remember out of this is uh, one of my favorite lines from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And again, I want to tell you, if you've not read that, not, not the movies, the movies are good, but if you've not read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all right, then consider yourself theologically ignorant, okay? You've got you to read those things to really get it, okay? But there's a line in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where I believe it's Susan is talking to Mr. Beaver. And she finds out that Aslan is a lion. She goes, Aslan is a lion, the great lion, is what Mr. Beaver said. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, Mr. Beaver said. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. When we're on mission for Jesus, it's not safe. Okay? Because what happened to our founder when he was on earth? Does anybody remember? Okay. What, what happened to him? Got crucified, right. All right. That's, that's not great on the recruiting posters, but it is on ours. To come and give your life away to be bold for something greater than yourself. And so, in fact, when anybody joins our church, you want to make sure you're not joining here to hide from the world. You're not joining here just for safety. There's going to be some safety and security here in having a, a, a body of believers, but that's not why you join. You join to be on mission with his people. How much are you willing to pray for boldness for yourself and for our church as we carry out our mission? Now, I don't think right now we have a really good idea yet of what God-given boldness might look like for us. But can we pray for it anyway? Let's just pray right now. Father, we acknowledge, just as they did in this passage, that you are the creator of everything. And Father, hold on, worship team, this is not the, this is not the, we've got another point. <laughs> Sorry. I know I, Okay, let's bring the lights back up for a second. Hold on. Let me pause. That's how we get into things here, okay? I'm sorry. I should have warned you guys. I don't pray in the middle of a sermon sometimes like that, all right? This is actually a second, another prayer, okay? We got one more point. 
All right, you guys thought you were going to get out at 1140, didn't you? All right, All right we're, we're trying, we're, we're trying to get there, okay? But I just want us to focus on this prayer together, okay? So worship team with me too. Just think about this prayer with me, all right? So let's pray. Father, we do acknowledge you not only as the creator of everything. Father, we acknowledge that you are Lord of all, and that also makes you Lord of all of Fresno Church. It makes you Lord of all of Fresno County. It makes you Lord of everything. And God, we ask you to look, to look upon our situation right now. We know you know it, but look with us on it, Father. Look at our resources, our history, our needs. And Father, guide us to be the city set on a hill that you have called us to be. Father, we want our light to shine through this community. And Father, forgive us corporately and individually for the times we have not been the light we need to be. And we ask for boldness that can come only from you. Father, we don't ask this for our glory. But I ask it, Lord, so that your son Jesus may be known among the nations that are gathered here in this area. And Father, we ask that you may affirm our boldness by extending your hand toward us and toward our community. Father, whether it be through signs and wonders or whether it be through whatever you choose, Father, that is what we ask. We ask this in your service, and we ask it in love because of the privilege you have given us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, let's wrap up with this last point real quick, especially since the worship teams are eager to get up here, okay? The last thing I want to teach you is boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. And this is where I want to look at verse 31, just this verse right here. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, it would have been so cool if there had been an earthquake at the end of that prayer. But then I think that would have been just for my glory, and that's not why we're here. Okay? You would have thought, wow, Pastor Darrell is so cool. You get had a prayer after that, and that's not what it was about. They didn't look at the apostles and go, wow, that was so cool. They saw it as a sign from Jesus. So, you know, I'm going to skip with that, but look at the, that passage again. Go back to that, to that uh, is, is the verse up there? There we go. Again, it ends with that last word, boldness. The same word as confidence there. And it doesn't mean they started being, but it just means from that point on, they began to speak with boldness and confidence, just like they had asked God to let them do. Doesn't mean they were bold every second or every moment, but in their, what they began to be known for was their boldness and confidence in talking and sharing about Jesus and in ministering. Does God want us to be bold and confident as we tell others about him? I think yes. I'm going to share a couple of verses with you real quick. From, from John 14, 14, Jesus said, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Can we ask for boldness in his name? Yes, we can. In Luke 12, 12, Jesus said, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Can we be bold in what we speak? Yes, because he's promised that he will tell us what he wants us to say. With all my heart, I believe that the Holy Spirit answers prayers to be bold and confident. And all we have to do is ask and then let him work through us. Now, while this isn't in the passage, I want to close with this. There are two things that keep the Holy Spirit from working in us. And I just want to remind you of them. The first is unconfessed sin. 
And if you've got unconfessed sin in your life, you need to confess it. Sins, admit it to God. And if you need to confess it to another person, that's great too. But at least right now today, confess it to God and repent of it. <clears throat> and the second thing is a lack of faith. When we have unconfessed sins, we have lack of faith. The evil one uses that to keep us from being effective. And so lack of faith, that's one that's not easily fixed. We develop our faith by practicing it. But I want to encourage you right now to say that after the service, if you want to talk to me or any of our leaders about it, I'll be happy to share with you about that and listen about your journey. But here's what you can do right now, just based on this passage. First, I want you to determine right now how you're going to spend time with Jesus this week. Make a commitment to spending some time with him. Find somebody to hold you accountable to that if you need to. Second, be dedicated to missional prayer. We're great at prayers for ourselves. We're great at prayers for, for friend, friends and family, but be dedicated to missional prayer. Well, we're praying, and that means not only praying for missionaries, but praying for the mission that God has you on and has our church on. And third, do your best all the time to live in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the time you've given us. We thank you for the mission you've given us. Thank you for the work you've asked us to do. And Father, thank you for this example from Scripture today that shows us how your people responded to problems. Father, help us to be the kind of people that respond to problems too, but with problems with boldness and with confidence and with faith in you. For Father, we know you've brought us here for a purpose and you will lead us to your perfect future.